return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. To hear the word of the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it's honey. Oh, hallelujah. Your word is alive. It's powerful. It's a sword. It's a hammer. It's a fire. Lord, may it do all of its work in us today. We ask, come Holy Spirit and give us revelation, Lord. Quicken our hearts with your loving kindness. Quicken our hearts. And Lord, I thank you that your word is even health to our flesh. Thank you for that quickening power in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, I've been speaking, I guess, on the names of God for, I don't know, it looked like from since 2015. <laughs> and we're probably not going to run out of names right away. They, according to um, the commentators, there's at least a thousand names of our wonderful Lord. So today uh, I'm going to work with Yahweh. We sing about it lately. So I think, I, I love the study of the names because it expands our understanding, right? Years ago, someone dared me. Maybe I read it in a book, I don't know. But can you praise the Lord for at least five minutes? And I tried, and I think I ran out of things to say after two minutes. I don't know if you have that problem. So studying the names of God has really helped me because I can go through the different names and worship him in all these different ways. So, Yahweh, the most sacred Every Jew considers from all time Yahweh to be the most sacred, the most holy of all the names of God. Too sacred to even speak out loud. Every Jew of all time, whenever they came across this name Yahweh, they would substitute Elohim or Adonai. Elohim meaning God, Adonai meaning Lord. They didn't even dare to speak it out loud. When writing it, Listen, they wouldn't even write the whole word out. They would just eliminate the vowels and just write the consonants. And Jewish tradition says, listen to this, that every time a scribe or a scholar came to the name, they would stop everything, they would remove all the clothes they had on, take a complete bath, put on brand new clean clothes, get rid of the pen they were writing with, and then, then they would write, the word. And like I said, then it was without the consonants. So there was always this great sense of holiness and awe attached to this name, Yahweh. Which shows up, by the way, in the Hebrew scripture 6,823 times. Uh, our King James, you can tell when we get to it because it'll always be capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D in the King James. That's your, always your cue, your clue that they're talking about <coughs> Yahweh. Nave's Bible Dictionary defines Yahweh as he who is, strong says the God who exists, the one true God. 
And Strong's concordance goes on to explain that whenever this name is used, it refers to a very personal and covenant relationship. And just so you know, Elohim shows up in the scriptures 2,570 times, but it also shows up in classical literature. G, the God with a little g. And Adonai, which means Lord, 434 times in the Hebrew scriptures, but it also shows up in a whole lot of classical literature as Lord with a little l. But Yahweh is used exclusively for the one true and living God. So let's look at it a bit so we know when we're worshiping, when we're singing Yahweh. Hopefully we have, after today, a little bit more understanding of what we're singing about, who we're worshiping. Am I talking too loud? I'm okay? Okay. Yahweh is the God who is. My first definition, and I've kind of come up with these on my own from my studies, is the self-existent God. He needs no one else to exist. No one. He doesn't need us, as sad as that is to think about, but he doesn't need us to exist. There are a whole lot of powerful human beings on the earth. I don't know who comes to your mind, but whoever you're thinking of needs a whole lot of other people to exist. God needs no one. He's complete. He's whole. And that's probably pretty good news for any of us who need a little completing or feel like there's just a little gap here or there that we need to be made whole. This is the God who completes. Um, Yahweh stands alone in needing nothing and no one and being wholly and completely self-sufficient. Not only is Yahweh the great I am, the totally self-existent one, but he has the power to cause other things and other people like you and I to be complete or to be completed. <clears throat> I know I got a tickle in my throat. I'm going to try one more drink. <coughs> Hallelujah. So for me to understand Yahweh, it was helpful to look at the root word of Yahweh, which is Yaha. And it's a simple little word that actually shows up again a lot in the scripture, and I want to show it to you a couple places. One is Genesis 1-3. Remember the beginning, Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He sets the scene with the the void and the chaos and the darkness and the Holy Spirit is hovering over the face of the deep. And God shows up and says, let there be light. This is before there's a solar system, folks. And it says, there was light. The Hebrew, instead of that whole phrase, and God said, let there be light, the Hebrew is just two words, light be. And be is the root word of Yahweh. It means to become, to exist. And Strong's Concordance explains that there's so much power in this word, so much presence in the word be, that just saying it releases the power for it to happen. Hallelujah. Kind of like happens, what happens when we speak the name of Jesus? And I'm hoping by the end of today to connect the dots for you all to understand that Yahweh and Jesus are one and the same. Hallelujah. Another example of this root word of Yahweh, which is Yaha, is found in Genesis 12, 2. 
This is the key blessing that God gave to Abraham. Of course, then he was known as Abram. He was living in Ur of the Chaldees, and God said, I want you out of here. I want you to pick up, get everything, and move. I'm going to show you a special land, a special place. And here's his blessing. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. There it is right there. Be a blessing. That's that key word, yaha, right there. Be a blessing. Now, you do know, don't you, that every one of Abraham's blessings are ours in Christ. I think it's Galatians 3.13. If you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So this promise, you can write your name right in there, where he says, you are going to be a blessing. I was, you know, the Lord reminded me of that this week. When I was young, I felt like the Lord asked me, what do you want to do? What do you want to be someday? I was just a little girl. And I said, Lord, I just want to be a blessing. Hmm. Worthy goal, maybe. (laughs) God had a little bit more in mind for me, but praise God. Uh, So you, you, you shall be a blessing. Now, again, please understand that this word yaha in the Hebrew language is considered to have so much presence attached to it, so much power in the mere word that just speaking it released the power for it to be accomplished. That's true about every one of God's words, right? Luke 1.37. I didn't give my scriptures ahead of time to Jeremy because we thought that this light was going to be out on the machine, but here it is working. All right, here's Luke 1.37. King James says it like this, With God nothing shall be impossible. This is when the angel Gabriel came to visit Mary and said, you're going to have a child. We're talking about an impossible situation. She's not married, and here she is going to have this child. The power of the highest will come upon her, the the angel tells her. But here's the scripture, with God, nothing shall be impossible. A couple other versions um, give us a little insight into what this means. Let's see, did I lose this? Uh, Hebrews name version says it like this. No word from God will ever be void of power. No word of God will ever be void of power. There's another, just NIVs may be a little easier to access. Some of you probably have it right there in your laps. (laughs) No word from God will ever fail. Hey, friends, we should be shouting and screaming about that one. Every word of God, none of it will ever, ever fail. We can stand on the word of God. We can know that it's powerful, that just speaking it releases power. Now, it is kind of interesting in studying this name Yahweh that the root of Yahweh, which I showed you, was in uh, Luke chapter, excuse me, Genesis 1-3. And, of course, there were no chapters and verses way back when, when God first gave the revelation to Moses on that mountain. But way at the beginning, we see the root of Yahweh. But the name Yahweh doesn't show up until Genesis chapter 2, verse 4. So we're about 33 verses later. God chooses to introduce himself in the scriptures first as Elohim. I'm the creator. I'm the one who just speaks, and there it is. I can make anything with no raw materials 
I'm the God who can do the impossible. And then, then he shows up in Genesis 2-4. As there it is, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. This is the way you see it in the King James. And they're talking then about Yahweh. And here's God's announcement then. I created this glorious, beautiful world. I'm a self-existent God. I don't need anyone. But you know what? I want relationship with you. I want relationship with you. And to me, that's the way I've defined my second definition of Yahweh then, is the personal, the very intensely personal God who wants to connect and wants to engage with his people. Um, Who was I listening to this morning, a little podcast? He was explaining that Elijah means Yahweh is my God. Isn't that cool? His parents, in the midst of all the junk going on in their country, um, named this young man, Yahweh is my God. Whenever God is connecting with, like Moses, remember that wonderful chapter, um, Exodus 33, where Moses begs God, show me your glory. I want to see your glory. That whole conversation, it's always Yahweh, Moses. Yahweh, Moses. So this very personal connecting, intimate God. That's how he always visits with his friends. Abraham. Abraham, the man who's known as the man who talked to God face to face. A whole lot of Abraham's conversations were with Yahweh. David seemed to understand a lot about uh, Yahweh. If we look at um, Psalm 19, Y'all know this psalm very well, I'm sure. Verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. The earth, the firmament, shows forth his handiwork. Now, Psalm 19, verse 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, and I think even 6, are always Elohim. Notice the glory of Elohim, what he did when he created the world. That's all Elohim. And then all of a sudden, in verse 7, can you turn... Get us to verse 7. Then all of a sudden, it's Yahweh in 7 and 8 and 9 and 10, the whole rest of the psalm. So read it like this. The law of Yahweh is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of Yahweh is sure, making wise the simple. The statues of Yahweh are right. They rejoice the heart. The commandment of Yahweh is pure enlightening the eyes. The fear of Yahweh is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of Yahweh are true and righteous altogether. Yeah, they're talking about the commandments of the Lord, but it's more than that. We're talking about the word of the Lord. And uh, do we have a couple more verses? More to be desired are they than gold. Yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and in keeping of them, there is great, great reward. Friends, Yahweh is not a distant, far-off God. He's not a God keeping his distance. He wants to interact with us right here and now. And he has no obligation to do so. I mean, he could have kept himself at a distance. He could have just said, okay, you're on your own. But no, he's made himself very available. He's chosen to write this love story of you and him. And I think David is in awe, as we all should be, of this same creator of the universe 
the same self-existent God who has chosen to relate and to engage and to keep covenant with us. And for every one of us, there is this giant reward of keeping his word and keeping ourselves. It's a choice, friends. We choose to abide in and to keep ourselves in this covenant. What's a covenant? I mean, a covenant is, in the old days, they used to make covenants between families. Okay, tell you what. I, I am strong, I'm muscular, I'll protect you. And the other family says, well, we're not so strong, but we have a wonderful garden, and I'm a wonderful cook, and we'll provide all the food. Okay, we'll provide all the protection. I mean, that's kind of what a covenant was. In a covenant with God, God provides everything, like everything. And what does he ask from us? Our love and our devotion. And that's it. <laughs> Hallelujah. But we have to make that choice. I'm going to abide in this covenant relationship. Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to take us now to Isaiah chapter 43. There's a passage here of about five verses where Yahweh shows up four times. And again, if you came in new, um, I, I explained at the beginning that this is considered the most sacred of all the names of, of God. So I'm sure you're familiar with this passage. Isaiah 43 starts like this. You are my witnesses, says the Lord. Can we go to verse 10? You are my witnesses, says Yahweh. You are my servant whom I have chosen that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Now, it's really a fun study, friends. Checking out wherever I am shows up at the same time as Yahweh. In fact, I'm going to do a little rabbit trail here. I'm going to take you to Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. This is where God first revealed himself as the great I am. And he showed up in, um, with this burning bush. And he speaks to Moses, and Moses he gives Moses this assignment, and Moses says, uh-uh, I cannot do this, it's impossible. And so finally he says, okay, okay. Who do I say sent me? And this is his answer. You tell him that I am sent you. And then he, at the beginning, I am that I am. Verse 15, do we have that also? And God said, moreover unto Moses, you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial unto all generations. Moffitt puts it like this, Exodus 3.14. Instead of I am, he says, I will be what I will be. Tell the Israelites, I will be has sent you. And then verse 15, Moffitt puts it like this. This is my name for all time. This is my name for all ages. So in this encounter with Moses, he explains about Pharaoh and how he's going to harden his heart and how he's going to do all these signs and wonders. And that's chapter 3, 4, 5. Then when we get to chapter 6, if we could look at verse 2. This is in this same conversation between God and Moses where he declares, for the first time we ever read in the scripture, I am that I am, or I will be what I will be. Then in verse 2 of chapter 6, he says, 
I am Yahweh. That's what it is in Hebrew. I am Yahweh. And then verse 3, please. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob by the name of God Almighty, which is El Shaddai. So God's trying to explain to Moses, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they all knew me as El Shaddai, all-sufficient one, all-powerful one. But by my name, Yahweh, just so you know, now Jehovah is often used in many translations in replacement for Yahweh. But he's saying in the Hebrew, my name, Yahweh, was I not known. In other words, Abraham didn't know me as Yahweh. Neither did Isaac or Jacob. But Moses, I'm telling you, I am Yahweh. I am the self-existent God. I am the covenant-keeping God. I made this covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm hearing my children cry out to me that they need deliverance, and it's because I'm the God who keeps covenant. That's why I'm revealing myself and calling you to do this job right now. So, this is my third definition, my third understanding then of the name Yahweh is the God who keeps covenant. So, if, let's go back to Isaiah 43 then. Um, we'll read 10 again, and then we're going to go on a little further here maybe. Let's see. You are my witnesses, says Yahweh. You are my servant whom I have chosen that you may know and believe me. Now, this word know is a very interesting word. I think I've taught on it before. It's yada. It's the same word used in Genesis 4.1 where it says, Adam knew Eve and she conceived and bore her son. It's a very intimate word. So like I said, Yahweh always has to do with very personal, very intimate communion and relationship. And so that's what he's saying right here in Isaiah. I'm Yahweh, and I have chosen you. And so you can just hear God saying this to any one of you in the room. I chose you because I want you to know me. I want you to believe me. I want you to understand that I am he. Before me, there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. This is what covenant is all about, friends. Intimately knowing God and personally knowing who he is. Now, it's kind of interesting. It says... I am he, I am Yahweh, verse 11, I even I am Yahweh, and beside me there is no Savior. This whole business of him being Yahweh, being this self-existent God, friends, means that he has life in himself. And uh, that's actually what Jesus said in John 5, 26. As the Father has life in himself, So Jesus is explaining the Father, God, Yahweh, all by himself, he's life, and he gives life. And then he says, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. 1 John 5, 12, maybe you're familiar with that scripture. It it says the same thing. If you have the Son, he that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. It's just very, very simple. If you have Jesus, you have life. You're connected to Yahweh, that self-existent one. You're in covenant then with the holy God. I mean, how many times did Jesus say it while he was on the earth? I am. I am. Do you think they got it, the Jews? It's crazy that they didn't, because how many times did it come out of his mouth? I am the way. I'm the, the, the shepherd. I'm the door. I'm the truth. I'm the resurrection and the life. Here was Yahweh walking among them. 
and um, they still didn't get it. Another passage of scripture here, um, I'm going to show you to connect that Jesus and Yahweh are the same, is in Revelations chapter 1, verse 17 and 18. This is when the glorified Jesus appeared to John on the Isle of Patmos. And uh, he says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, and he said, fear not, I am the first, and I am the last. I am he that liveth, and I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Glory to God. He says the same thing in Revelations 2.8, when he's appearing, talking to the church, the angel that represents the church of Smyrna. I'm the first, and I'm the last. Now, these are exact words from Isaiah, friends. Isaiah chapter 44, 6. And I don't know if you can pull it up, but I'm taking this from the Word English Bible. Mostly because it uses the the word Yahweh, but whatever you bring up, Jeremy's great. So here it says, Thus says Yahweh, the King of Israel, and the Redeemer... Notice the next phrase, the Lord of hosts, Yahweh of hosts. Were any of you in on my study of Yahweh Sabaoth? The Lord who commands the angels of heaven. Well, this was just really thrilling my heart this week when I realized all this connection because here is Yahweh, the self-existing God, the God who keeps covenant, the God who intimately wants to know us and have communion with us. He just also happens to command all of the angelic force of heaven, just happens to. And it gave me a new twist on that little song. Does anybody ever sing that? I'm singing it at home a lot, Jehovah Jireh. Um, there's a phrase in there that says, let me see if I can remember. He puts his angels in charge. Sorry, should I be standing in a certain place? He puts his angels in charge over us. Whew. Is that cool? Just because he loves you so much, because you're in covenant with him, because you are his personal responsibility. So he puts his angels in charge over us. Hallelujah. So here's, the, I think, one of the best proofs. It says, this is what Yahweh, the king of Israel, his redeemer, Yahweh of armies, the armies of angels, I'm the first, I'm the last, and besides me there is no God. So here's Jesus then showing up a few years later saying the exact same thing. So um, how are we doing for time? Well, I'd like to close today then by taking us back to when God first appeared to Moses and declared himself to be the great I am. You know, do any of you work here with drama or artistry or you know it's a big deal in drama in theater they spend hours painting the set am i right or if you're an author and you write a book they sometimes they spend chapters setting things up helping you know the characters well god is a god of drama and when he showed up to tell moses this it's kind of a big deal the setting that he picked does anybody remember anything about the setting of when god appeared to Moses. What did we see? A burning bush, exactly. So there's a fire. There's this bush that's on fire, and it is—it just looks like it's going to burn up totally, but it's never consumed. It's never consumed. Now, it just could be that you might have in your life right now 
a fire or a few fires burning. Something that in your life that might be a big situation, a big challenge, a big impossibility that looks like it's going to consume you. It might be the end of you. And I believe, in fact, I'm declaring and decreeing right now for you that there is coming for you a fresh revelation of his I amness, of his might and his power and his ability, because he is going to be with you. He says, I'm your strength. I'm your peace. I'm your wisdom. I'm your very ability. And for some of you, it might be something in the future, like something that you know is coming, like, I don't know how I'm ever going to deal with that. Or I don't know how I'll live through that. Or what am I going to do if this happens or if that? And I believe now, for that case, God, who is the great I am, is also the great I will be. I will be with you. I will be your strength. I will be your courage. I will be all that you have ever needed and will ever need. So, Father, we thank you so much for thrilling our hearts in this study of you, the personal God. Lord, you take such great interest in the details of our lives and providing for us. And you've put angels in charge over us. Lord, I bless you for that. And I thank you that you're the great I am. Whatever we need this very moment, Lord, you are supplying. Whatever we're going to need, you're the great I will be. And we bless you for that in Jesus' name. And I'm asking, Lord, for a personal revelation for every person in the room. A personal, very intimate revelation of your I am-ness. And your I will be-ness. And your ability to be everything they need in Jesus' name. Amen. Enjoy your day. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylifeatbrookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.